Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, our production with Gorkom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives right after they put out important news. With us today, we're happy to have him back, Steve McCauley, CEO of Empower Clinics. Company trades on the CSE under the stock symbol CBDT. For our friends in the US, EPWCF, and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under 8EC. Now, for those of you new to the story, uh, Empower is a vertically integrated, growth oriented, CBD life sciences company and a multi-state operator of medical health and wellness clinics plus telemedicine. I mean, they just keep expanding. We almost have to keep expanding that, uh, that description. More than just lip service, I'm going to cut quickly to the company's latest financial results. Year-to-date revenue for the, for, for the two quarters, $1.7 million versus $745,000, up 130%. Uh, patient visits, 12400 versus 5,500, that's up 125%. And the company hit cash flow positive for the first time. Here to talk about that and a major acquisition. Steve, welcome back. Hey, George, thank you for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Hey, you know, uh, most people in August take the time to relax a little bit and, uh, and take a little vacation and you're just cranking out press releases. The first one I wanna talk about quickly are these spectacular year-to-date results. Congratulations, how does the organization feel first of all and how should shareholders be feeling given this trend that's been taking place for uh, Q4, Q1, Q2? You just keep going up and up and up. Yeah, I mean, we, we all feel very good about it. It's, uh, this has been you know, work that was initiated back in January of 2019 when I took over uh, the company. And it's, it's a combination of finding ways to grow effectively and, uh, and then really driving cost control and, and making the, you know, asking the hard questions of ourselves and, and making the hard decisions and, and then executing on those. And, you know, our goal, um, we're certainly thrilled with the, you know, the triple digit growth numbers for year to date. We knew that it would take through first quarter 2020, second quarter 2020 to demonstrate to the shareholders uh, the financial statement impact of all the changes that we've been working on. And so now we're really seeing it run through, uh, through the numbers. And, uh, you know, the, the team are, are thrilled to, to see these results. And I'm extremely proud of uh, all the hard work that everybody's done to get us here. You keep growing every quarter, Q4, Q1, Q2, you keep growing. So there's a trend here now. Any reason to think that growth like this won't continue? Because it looks like you're now on your way. You're a juggernaut now. Yeah, you know, the, the growth initiatives um, are, are definitely going to continue. You know, we're not going to sort of sit back quietly now um, and just and, and coast. Um, we can't. We, we have to find top line growth. We have to find um, fresh uh, free cash flow uh, so that we can continue to um, bring the shareholder value that we expect. So we absolutely are continuing to look for um, other clinics or clinic groups that we can go ahead and roll up. Uh, we're actively looking at Canadian markets um, very, very aggressively right now. A lot of opportunities probably there, right? Yeah, there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, we're certainly, uh, but we have to find the right ones. Um, so, um, and they have to be, you know, the right deal structure, you know, the right valuation, you know, all of those things. But we're, we're in active dialogue with a number of groups right now. And, and we continue to look for opportunities uh, in other states in the U.S., and we're also um, very excited about uh, you know, a pending acquisition that we recently announced. Um, we're going through due diligence on that transaction right now. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Look, a lot of your growth 
some lot we don't have to quantify it all now because we want to move through this part but has definitely been your clinics uh definitely benefiting from great marketing great operations in order to uh provide covid testing stage one stage two stage three look your patient visit up to twelve thousand four hundred. now you've taken a quantum leap forward because you've announced i'm going to read this empower clinics announces acquisition of medical diagnostics laboratory uh Kai Medical Laboratory, state-of-the-art diagnostic lab in Dallas, Texas. Um, this is a big one, uh, 8,000 square feet, uh, drive up, $1.75 million, $1 million of equipment and assets. Uh, how great of an asset is this to help the company keep growing? Yeah, we think this is a really strategic, uh, important move for us. And uh, it's really, it's based on the fact that in order to really successfully roll out our kind of phase four of, of the COVID testing program, we have to be running the PCR tests. And, and the PCR tests are the gold standard in COVID testing. They're the ones that um, we're kind of all familiar with where it's either a, a nasal or a throat swab. And, uh, and it gives the most accuracy. Um, they're the most reliable, most dependable testing results. The key to being successful at scale is you have to control the full supply chain. And, and that means that you need to be a lab. Uh, so either you have to set one up yourself or you need to buy one. And the process of setting up a lab uh, takes a very long time. Um, the certification requirements, um, the equipment requirements, you can't just buy a PCR test and stick it in a room and expect to um, be certified and get up and running. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, so, this, is not, this isn't TV you stick on your wall. This is not. It's not just that kind of plug and play. So it was really... Um, the right move for us to start working to identify uh, a lab to acquire. And we looked at a number of different transactions and there are, there are different opportunities that were out there, but we landed on Kai Medical and Yoshi Tyler uh, uh, is the principal along with another partner, uh, Michael Haynes. And uh, they've put together a great you know, uh, lab uh, with a, a really diverse set of capability. And, but right now the priority um, line of business for the lab is to be able to run uh, COVID-19 PCR testing and antibody testing at scale. And so we think this is going to be a really strategic move, a really good fit for us. And that now that scale on the one hand, I love the number, but kind of scares me. Let's just talk about that. 2,000 tests per eight hour shift. So on Correct. the one hand, I'm happy about that. Great capacity. But on the other hand, that seems like a lot, even for, even for Empower Clinic. So What's the strategy to try and max out that capacity? So there's a, there's a number of uh, strategies. So the fact that we are um, offering and have been offering COVID testing through our clinics already is kind of one of the key parts of the strategy. <clears throat> so we now, uh, so this week, in fact, we commenced our sales and marketing initiatives for COVID-19 testing. And we, we actually started doing testing, uh, the PCR testing last week when we did the announcement but this week, um, our Facebook ads have now gone live. Um, our, uh, uh, we had something like uh, 30,000 outbound uh, email and text message campaigns that were distributed through our, through our systems. We've updated our landing pages to focus on two initiatives. One is get back to work, and the other initiative is get back to school, because we see those two types of campaigns as being required and necessary 
sort of in our general society for, for you know, quite a long time ahead. And, and we think this is going to last well into 2021 and perhaps into 2022 as well. So that's one part of the strategy to drive volume. All of that testing volume will be driven back through our own lab. So we would no longer work with a third party independent lab partner. We would actually run that through our own supply chain because we can control quality. We control um, the turnaround time and yep. we get to control the actual utilization of the equipment to ensure that you know, we're meeting the 24 to 48 hour turnaround time. So that's kind of strategy one. Strategy two is we have a number of other contracts and relationships um, for, uh, for industry that are lined up and ready to go live, but we had to have the lab in place. Uh, we needed to be able to commit under a contract that we can put some dedicated volume to specific partners in specific industries. Uh, and again, so if you don't control the lab and control that supply chain, you can't execute on those contracts. So right. we've got that lined up as well, kind of in our hip pocket. So these are enterprise, uh, these are enterprise level things that you're working on. They are because there are uh, large employers. There are large industries that um, they are now mandated. Um, the, the, the type of industry uh, that they might be, um, they cannot effectively social distance to operate their business. So think of a meat packing plant or think of a, a mining company or think of a large institution like a, a university or a college right. who, you know, want their sports teams to get back to, you know, back to playing. Uh, they cannot get back to operations unless they have an effective PCR testing program with um, good collection procedures and also uh, really condensed uh, committed turnaround times for the results. Steve, is it safe to assume that competition at the lab level isn't that strong, not for COVID anyways, because COVID is such a new phenomenon. So this might be a really great, uh, a really great acquisition that I, I would like to say would have pricing inelasticity with good margins. So, uh, you know, there, there are certain sort of, you know, minimum, you know, capabilities and requirements and certifications that need to be in place in order to credibly go after enterprise contracts. You know, you, it, it has to be professional. You have to have your chief scientists. You have to have your med techs. You must have the equipment. The equipment must be CLIA certified. The machines have to be credentialed with the, the state regulators. Um, so again, it's not just a situation where you can just show up and say, hey, yeah, we're doing COVID testing at the lab level. Right. It doesn't work that way. But by having that, um, you know, on our books and having that supply chain under our control, we can then go after the big transactions. Um, so not just the consumer transactions in our clinics, but nationwide, you know, enterprise level transactions um, that have much more scale. Because to your point, if we can process, you know, 2000 tests per day per eight hour shift, we've got a lot of opportunity to fill up that capacity and we're going to be putting sales and marketing people on the street to go get that capacity. Now that we know that the right. lab transaction is coming, but you <clears throat> we can't go out and solicit that business if we don't have the, the lab set up to run it through. I know you, I know you're not going to give away pricing for competition point of view, but I could, I could feel people watching this saying, Hey, 2000 tests in an eight hour shift. What is a ballpark? cost and you don't have to give away margins but you know what's what's a ballpark revenue 
per test uh, uh, in, in an eight-hour eight shift. Yeah, so we can, I can disclose that openly because you, okay. you can go to sunvalleyhealth.com right now and look at our landing pages and, and go and buy a test. So the, the, rap, the, the RT-PCR test, the, the, the nasal swab test, is $125 US per test. The rapid antibody test, which is the, uh, the fingertip prick uh, blood draw, and you get your responses in you know, sort of less than five minutes, uh, that is sold for $65 US per test. And you have a, a bit of a phenomenon going on right now uh, with healthcare in the United States. And because of the emergency use uh, authorization and, and the, uh, the status um, of the pandemic in the United States, is insurance companies are mandated that they must cover the cost of uh, uh, an individual consumer's test if they submit that back to their healthcare provider for coverage. And I believe that that is mandated at, at up to $160 must be covered by the healthcare company at this point in time. So we're priced at a competitive level. Um, we're uh, not the most expensive. We're not the least expensive. Uh, we certainly feel that we're you know, at market um, for the markets that we serve in, in Arizona right now. And, uh, but that, that's, you know, those are the prices that we're selling um, these tests for uh, currently. So Steve, I take an average there that you're talking about about $90 a test and 2000 tests a day. Not the, not the, you know, I want to be clear for everyone at home, not that you're going to be at capacity tomorrow, but you talk about potentially $180,000 in uh, revenue per day. So uh, right now, yeah, right now, based on the equipment configurations that we have and the staffing levels that we have, you're right, that, that financial model is, that's what we're chasing after. You know, we're chasing after full production capacity. Um, if we get to full capacity uh, in an eight hour shift and we have more, you know, demand coming through, then we'll start to add additional shifts or we'll extend our shifts. Uh, we don't have to add additional machinery today, but if, you know, if, if the contracts that we bring forward are such that it fills up all, all capacity, we have the space, we have the manpower and the labor, and we have the, the, the specialist technicians, we could add another piece of equipment and go ahead and begin to fill that capacity as well. So we've got a couple of different levers to pull. Um, I hope we have that problem. Uh, in hand, and uh, you'll you'll be the first to to hear about it if we do. Hey, if you need a second eight-hour shift, I'll fly down to Texas. I'll watch my Dallas Cowboys, and I'll work during the week just to make sure everything's running smooth. <laughs> sounds, 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 like, sounds like a plan. But all kidding aside, Steve, that's fantastic. I know uh, for everyone at home, we want, want to make sure we're clear. At this stage, it's a it's a non-binding. But from the way you're talking about it, you you and Yoshi and everyone sound pretty confident here that you're going to be you're going to be closing this deal. Any ballpark ETA for that? Yeah. So I can tell you kind of where we are in due diligence. Uh, we, uh, you know, we, we've got our, we've had our data room open and we've been uh, getting uh, great cooperation from uh, Yoshi and her team in providing us the due diligence material that, that we need to, to go through in every transaction. Uh, we have um, our, uh, uh, attorneys in Dallas um, are already at the final stages of drafting um, the definitive agreements. Uh, that would be, you know, the closing documents. And, and we also did a site visit yesterday. So uh, Dustin uh, Klein, our, our, our senior vice president of, of business development, and, and he's a director as well, was in Dallas yesterday, spent the day with the team, um, uh, you know, sent photos, videos. So, you know, again, as part of due diligence, 
we always like to do site visits and, and meet the team members. And, you know, we, we had a really good uh, day down there, really positive feedback from Dustin. And I can tell already that the team dynamics are coming together, you know, and that's half the battle sometimes is, you know, teams have to try to fit and yeah. gel together Absolutely. to know that um, we're going to be successful. And I think everything is indicating to us right now. Um, it's very positive. Uh, so we could be in a position, you know, as early as next week um, to uh, have, you know, the definitive agreements, you know, agreed to and signed. We just have to get through a little bit more due diligence this week, a little bit of legal work, and uh, we should be in a position to make some announcements. And one final point, the last asset that'll be coming in this acquisition is Yoshi Tyler herself, who's uh, who's had leadership positions at a Fortune 500 uh, pharmaceutical company for 13 years. Uh, I'm assuming she's going to be staying off the team. And what does that mean to you for someone with her qualifications to be to be part of all this? Yeah, it's, 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 it's an imperative part of the transaction. I mean, sometimes when you do acquisitions, uh, for whatever reason, you know, the principals, you know, don't stay on or maybe they have an earn out and, and, and want, to, want to move away. This is not the case. You know, uh, Yoshi is, is young and dynamic, uh, intelligent, uh, really hungry. Uh, Michael Haynes on our team, sort of the chief uh, uh, sort of scientist um, who, who's there. Both of the, uh, those parties and, and the other team members are, are staying with the transaction post-closing. So what that does for me is it helps strengthen my leadership team. It gives us bench strength. It, 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 it means going in post-closing. Right. Uh, we don't have ramp-up time. Um, you know, we expect um, you know, great performance out of these team members right away out of the gate. Um, and, and I'll have the pressure on everybody, but I, I know in spending a lot of time with Yoshi, basically talking every single day, um, her and her team members are, are up for the challenge. I, I can feel it from them already. So I'm just excited to have, you know, more quality, you know, people on our team and, and uh, you know, having Yoshi's contributions to our leadership team for the public company. Steve, really exciting stuff. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be back on in the next week, 10 days or so when it's officially closed, but you know, congratulations again. I've said this on every interview we've done, but there's a reason because you just keep growing and growing and growing, bringing great people together, people like Yoshi, bring, bring the lab together. And uh, when this is closed, we're going to be on next week, but congratulations and in, in how far you brought this company and where it looks like it's going to go, my man. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I feel that we're at another inflection point, you know, in our journey. And uh, we, you know, we, we had to get through our year-end financials and our Q1, Q2 filings, but I knew that coming into late August and early September, it was time to sort of nail another transaction, another big event um, in our path, you know, for, for growth. So I think we found ourselves a nice one. You've been watching, or if you've been listening to my podcast, Steve McCauley, he's CEO of Empower Clinics. The company trades on the CSC, under the stock symbol, CBDT. For our friends in the US, EPWCF. And for our friends in Europe, on Frankfurt, 8EC. You've heard what it's had to say. You've you heard the results I talked about at the beginning, year to date, revenue up 130%, patient visits up 125%, cash flow positive for the first time. So the company's going in, the, in a great direction. Up to you to do due diligence, because it's still early. Uh, people are still really finding out about this story. Do your due diligence, get to Agoracom, look up uh, the Empower Clinics profile, and hopefully you're going to find your next amazing 
small cap company. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. See you next time.